Welcome to Revive, the marketing podcast for manufacturers. My name is Jared Faulkner, the Client Services Manager here at Vive. Today on Revive, we're joined by Diana Brodine, Vice President of Operations and Editorial Content for Peterson Media Group. Diana's responsibilities carry through multiple publications like American Mold Builder, Plastics Decorating, and Plastics Business. Diana, thanks for joining today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. It's my uh, first podcast. I've worked with Vive for a lot of years, so it's kind of fun to do something with you guys a little bit different. Yes, this time. Voice rather than print. That's right. Exactly. So to get us started, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your experience in the print industry, and a little fun fact about you. Oh, gosh. Well, um, if you had told me 17 years ago that I'd be in love with manufacturing, I would have said you were crazy. I actually started in the nonprofit world, but I was telling a lot of really sad stories and not enough stories that kind of showed the good things in life. When my second daughter was about a year old, I had the opportunity to make a change and I joined Peterson Media Group. My boss loves to tell the story of how I was only going to work 20 hours a week. Um, I was just going to stay at home a little bit more, enjoy the kids. Uh, but within a year, I was full-time and helping to start a new magazine. So that did not work out quite the way that I thought it was going to. Yeah, nothing does. <laughs> not at all. Let's see. So a fun fact, huh? Well, when we first started Plastics Business Magazine back in 2006, I knew absolutely nothing about plastics processing. Actually, I'm not sure if this is a fun fact or an embarrassing one. Um, but my very first interview was with Stu Kaplan at Matakuda Technics in Indiana. And Stu, bless his heart, he walked me through that interview step by step. And then he sent me a little bag of plastic resin so I would understand what we were talking about. Now, it's been a long time since that interview in 2006, and I like to tell people that now, 16 years later, I could walk into a plastics manufacturing facility and run a molding machine, but we probably shouldn't test that. <laughs> no, and Stu, and Stu is the man for that. I must say that'd be pretty impressive if you could effectively and just walk through an injection molding machine and get it running, because I don't think I'm there yet. <laughs> I don't know for sure that I am too uh, either, but I sure have written a lot of stories about it over the years. So mm -hmm. Stu was great. I still just love running into him at industry events. What a great guy. Yeah. And thank God for YouTube because I've watched plenty of <laughs> how injection molding machines work and so forth. So yeah, thank you, back Stu. in 2006, that was not a thing. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, thank you, Stu, then. Well, speaking of Stu, in business, relationships are everything. So how important do you think it is for manufacturers to build a relationship with media outlets and channels? You know, I think that's such an important question and not enough people understand uh, that it's absolutely critical. It's just like with sales or supply chain or equipment purchases, the media, uh, we can help companies tell their stories and share their expertise and information out to their potential customer base. But we can't do that if we don't know you. So press releases, of course, are one way for us to connect. But a lot of smaller plastics processors don't have a dedicated marketing team or an understanding of how to craft a press release. I mean, over the years, I have helped so many plastics processors write their first press release. It's just kind of crazy. But, you know, and then, of course, companies like you, like Five, are fabulous for helping to craft the message. But I also just encourage people to call me or come see me at events because I want to get to know them. 
the more I know about their company, the more likely it is that I can pick up the phone later to reach out to them when I'm developing a story. Mm-hmm. In this business, being top of mind is critical. And I as well enjoy building those relationships with people. So you actually have an understanding of who they are. Absolutely. I mean, it's really critical because if I don't know, for instance, you know, sure, I can pop on a company's website and find out their capabilities or how many injection molding machines they have, maybe their top markets. But if I don't have an understanding, I have a relationship with someone in their facility, I can see those things, but I might not understand some of the cool stuff that's happening in HR. I might not have an understanding that, hey, they've just bought three new pieces of equipment. And the reason is because they're expanding into this new market. You know, those are the kinds of things that are interesting, are helpful from both my standpoint and helpful for that company to get information out about. There's just so many things that you you can't tell just through a website. Mm -hmm. And those are those interesting things for the reader as well. Absolutely. As a respected publication, I'm sure Plastics Business gets numerous press releases per week. How many do you get? <laughs> and how do you choose what to share with your audience? Oh, gosh, I just get hundreds of press releases every week. Sometimes I'll uh, step out for lunch and I'll come back and I'll have 50 new emails in my inbox. And I just so sad, Jeez. so sad. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been here a really long time. So I think everybody has my email address. With so many press releases coming in, a lot of times it's a split second decision. Uh, Is it a company that I know my audience wants to hear from? Is it a new product or a service that's got a lot of value? Is it new development that could make readers think about what's next? For instance, there are a lot of really cool things happening in additives right now that help plastics break down in landfills. So we have several ways to share all that information that's coming in, whether that's through the print magazine, our website, or the e-newsletters that we send. So a lot of times it's just what catches my eye in the subject line and where I think it's going to fit best. Mm -hmm. And I think we both have seen a surge in the importance for companies being or becoming environmentally friendly as well, and and especially in the plastics industry. Oh, absolutely. Uh, And recycling is such a touchy subject. It's hard for plastics processors to maybe invest some of the time they should be investing into understanding what's coming down in terms of new resins or additives because there's some resistance uh, to talking about recycling because a lot of the blame goes back to the plastics producer rather than maybe some of the blame being placed on the consumer Mm -hmm. for the lack of recycling. And as a segue from the press releases posted in by Plastics Business, what is Plastic Business's magazine highlights? Is there any recent acquisitions or maybe new machinery? Uh, or what about what's actually going on inside the facilities? So Plastics Business is one of several plastics industry publications. And all of those magazines do a great job of covering their niche. But our niche is in helping plastics processors run their businesses better by sharing the best practices that are occurring in other plastics processing facilities. So we kind of take our cue from the Manufacturers Association of Plastics Processors, uh, and that's the organization that we produce the magazine for. MAPS theory is that we all get better if we share what we know. And so that's what we do with the magazine. And that could be dealing with the really super fun supply chain issues that we're going through right now. Uh, New employees, whether that's uh, finding them or retaining them, reducing lead times, safety training, designing new facilities. If it's happening in a plastics molding facility and a department or a process is innovative, we want to know about it. Mm -hmm. And knowledge is power. And according to your share, the map industry is in sync with that. 
And it's been great being a member of the MAP organization for years. Oh, yeah. It's my favorite conference every single year. I love the people at that association. Um, The things that they've been doing have been really just innovative in terms of how they've built relationships with processors from all across the country. And since recent best practices, current information and sharing what's working inside the plastics molding facility is your primary focus for the magazine, how do you optimize other channels like e-newsletters or website? Great question. So, With our magazine, we want to do a really deep dive into how and why a plastic processor chooses to function in a certain way. So the stories that we tell in print are often longer than what you'll find in a lot of other industry publications. And of course, our magazine comes out on a quarterly basis. So that means every issue, most of them are in that 56 to 64 page range. That's jam-packed with some great information. But That doesn't leave a lot of room for the press releases, the breaking news, that sort of thing. So what we do is we utilize our website and our e-newsletters to make sure readers can find out about new equipment releases, legislative updates, facility expansions, who's joining which company, that sort of thing. It just gives us another outlet to make sure that our readers can find whatever information they need. And I like the idea of a quarterly release. I think it gives the reader something to look forward to. Well, I've actually, my biggest compliment is a plastics processor once told me that my magazine was the only one he didn't throw in the recycling the minute (laughs) he hit his desk. So I haven't figured out how to use that quote exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But I do think that I hear a lot that people will get our magazine and they'll rip an article out and pass it around to certain people in their organization. I don't think you can do that if you have a million things coming across your desk. So the quarterly cadence really does work out great for us. Mm-hmm. And it's cool that he respected that. Now, the, the buzz on this invisible street is that print is dead or perhaps dying. Where do you think it's going to be in the next five years? Uh, another great question. So, uh, first of all, print is definitely not dead. So that buzz is very wrong. And, of course, you'd expect me to say that, right? Because I'm in the publishing industry. But we all, like the daily newspaper, that's dying. There's no doubt about that. Most of us turn to digital delivery systems for our latest news. I know I certainly do. My kids certainly do. But most people still prefer to read longer articles in a format that's easier on the eyes. Digital burnout is such a real thing. And staring at the computer is not appealing 24-7. I know every single day I'm in front of my computer almost the whole day. I've got my phone in my hand. I'm looking at my iPad for some other information. And study and after study are telling us that the younger generation is actually leading the charge in print purchases. They want to make a physical connection with what they're reading. And the tactile sensation of holding paper in their hands is really appealing to them, especially after spending all day staring at a screen or um, with their phones. So on the flip side of that, Any magazine that ignores digital is crazy. So we have digital versions of all our magazines too. And that's actually helped us expand our readership globally. Mm -hmm. And I can kind of resonate with this as well. I know this is quite off topic, but the in-hands feeling in 2021 was the first time since like the early 2000s that CDs actually increased in sales. So again, that that physical feeling of having something with a physical connection, being able to touch uh, rather than just purchasing an album on Spotify or iTunes. So yeah, my, my oldest daughter has a record player. See, you know, there we go. She's 24, so um, you know she's right in that age range. 
but yeah, I mean, it's been really crazy. We, of course, work closely with a lot of organizations that talk about digital delivery systems versus print enhancements. So things like adding foil or soft touch to annual reports, which people are still printing. Don't get me started on that one. I'm not real sure why. But brochures, direct mail, that sort of thing. Those sorts of embellishments add a tactile and a visual feel to print, and people love it. Mm-hmm. And with your share, do you think that print is sustainable with the with the rising efficiencies of digital outlets? Or or better yet, do you think that print and digital can be sustained at the same price point? So it's really interesting that you use the word sustainable. Print is sustainable. So 65% of paper products in the US are recycled. And unlike the problems with our current plastics industry, paper recycling is robust and advanced, and the applications for recycled papers are huge, and they're growing. We should talk about the cannabis industry sometime. That packaging applications in that industry are absolutely fascinating for the amount of recycled content that they're using. It's nuts. But on the flip side, recycling options for our iPhones, laptops, and tablets, they're not nearly as recyclable, and they have a much bigger footprint in terms of energy usage and raw materials. So I know that that wasn't really the intent of your question, but when we talk about sustainability, print is definitely more sustainable than digital delivery options. As far as the the price point, paper and postage costs are through the roof. In, in fact, just like everybody else, um, our printers are having trouble sourcing some of our traditional paper stocks. So we've had to get really creative on occasion the last uh, in the last few months. But the fact that we're a quarterly magazine keeps our costs under control. Um, we haven't had an increase in our advertising rates in several years. And of course, uh, subscriptions to Plastics Business are free for our readers. So we've able to maintain a pretty good balance. Mm-hmm. And that's an interesting note. I wasn't familiar with the current percentages of recycled paper uh, being at that, that 65%. Yeah. Pa- well, we all know like the big problem with plastics recycling is that the facilities, uh, recycling facilities around the country are, especially here in the U.S., the sorting varies depending on where you are in the country. So the sorting capabilities in one facility in California are probably far, far greater than uh, the sorting facilities here in our recycling facility in Topeka, Kansas. So there's not consistency in plastics recycling, but paper recycling, that's much, much easier. Most facilities can handle it. And there's a lot of repulping happening that allows that paper to be recycled and reused. Well, good. And I guess next time we'll be talking about cannabis for our next topic too. Oh my gosh, so much fun. <laughs> the cannabis industry is just the things that they have done uh, to draw attention to their packaging. In fact, I was actually having that conversation last week with Troy Nix at MAP, who's the executive director of that organization. And some of the plastics processors are starting to get into creating plastics packaging and plastics delivery systems that are then sold in cannabis stores, uh, stores that have cannabis products. And so like with your toothpaste, you go to the store, you see Crest, you see Colgate, they're big brand names, right? There are not these huge brand names in the cannabis industry because it is so new. So these producers, they're using the most creative packaging. It's absolutely crazy the amount of embellishments and the things that they're using to draw attention on the retail shelf. It's super fun. Mm, it sounds quite interesting and fun, yeah. 
for those of us who are listening aren't quite sure what the difference is between a publisher or an editor, could you please explain? Sure. So a publisher is kind of the head of the organization, the person that coordinates all of the functions with the magazine, from advertising to content to printing, mailing, an editor works under that umbrella. So in my role, I touch every single word in each magazine. I'm the managing editor for Plastics Business. So I decide what the content for each issue will be. I work with authors, either by reaching out to people who could contribute an article or working with our writers to assign an article and find contacts for them to interview. And then when those articles start rolling in, or I chase people down to get them, (laughs) I can uh, make sure that they meet our guidelines and have value for the readers. So there is not ever a single article that goes into our publications that I've not been super involved with. I give you quite a lot of props. That's a lot of content, uh, keeping us (laughs) all entertained with your words. It keeps me very busy and mostly out of trouble, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) And speaking of entertaining us with with your words and fine-tuning the content, do you find it valuable to exhibit or attend at trade shows? Oh, gosh, I love attending trade shows and conferences. Uh, That's where I get a lot of the ideas for content for our publications. I get to see industry friends, meet new people, really kind of see where the industry is going. Part of that is talking with people, finding out what challenges that they're having that are inhibiting growth, going around and stopping at all the trade show booths and talking about what new innovations have the ability to make life easier in the plant. When everything shut down because of COVID-19, I was actually uh, in the air on a plane coming back from Orlando from a trade show event. And I landed in Kansas City. I turned my phone back on and got the notice that my kids' schools were shutting down for an extended spring break. Right? <laughs> um, we all know how that went. And so because of that, when everything shut down and trade shows weren't happening and conferences weren't happening, I really had to use those relationships that I talked about earlier because those easier ways for me to gather information were closed. I spent a ton of time on the phone catching up with people, talking about what was happening in their businesses and how uh, everything was affecting what was happening in their facilities. But I'm just thrilled we're getting back together in person again, because there's nothing like meeting people face to face and really having a great talk. I agree. That's where the most of the relationship building comes from is when you get to meet someone face to face, put a name to a face and just actually understand who they are as a person rather than just Zoom meeting at the Zoom meeting and seeing what they look like over a screen. It's fun to catch up with those industry friends at trade shows. Absolutely. Now, Diana, before you take off, would you care to share any insights on where plastics business is going? Sure. So it was really interesting when COVID-19 first hit, there was instant panic in the publishing industry. I mean, there was instant panic in pretty much every industry, but we had about one month of a lot of stress because when recessions hit, when big events happen, companies tend to pull their marketing budgets really, really close. And you, you of course, know this at, at Vive, which is probably, I would say, the worst decision a business could make, right? Because when things get tough, the, that's when you really need to spend your time and your energy and in your budget promoting what's happening in your facility. But anyway, I'm digressing a little bit, but we had about a month where there was a crazy, a lot of stress at our office. And then we had almost instant growth across all of our magazines. People suddenly had more time to kind of improve their work practices, their facility operations, do those lean activities or training activities they couldn't get around to. 
So hits on our website went up significantly as people were starting to go through our archives to see what they might have missed. Our e-news readership increased because people were at their computers a little bit more. Our advertising increased because industry suppliers needed to find new ways to reach their audience that weren't exhibiting at shows or going to meet them, couldn't get into facilities anymore. So even though print has always been one of the best ways to reach an audience, people forgot about that for a long time. But really, COVID-19 kind of did the publishing industry a bit of a favor by reminding people that if you want focused eyes on your message, print is really the way to go. We saw that because direct mail rates went through the roof during COVID-19. People needed an outlet for getting their message about their capabilities, their capacity, ways that they were expanding or changing their businesses that might meet the needs of some of their customers or prospects. They were starting to use that direct mail venue to spread that message. So the U.S. Postal Service actually made out pretty okay during COVID-19. Yeah. Although... We could, that's a whole nother discussion <laughs> about the postal service. Yeah, what was the term for that during COVID? They were considered to be uh, an essential business. Essential, essential business. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, you're funny. Well, I appreciate all your time and your insights today. You provided a lot of value, I think, to, to our listeners and especially about the uh, publication industry. And if someone would like to get in contact with you, uh, is there any information you'd like to share, email or phone? Oh, absolutely. I would love to hear from anyone. I'm more than happy. I think I mentioned earlier, I've spent a lot of time over the last 17 years helping plastics processors learn to write a press release or understand what it is that I want to hear. So if anyone wants to get a hold of me, my phone number is 785-271-5801. And I can always be reached via email. You can join the hundreds that I get. Uh, and that's uh, Diana, D-I-A-N-N-A, at petersonmg.com. And then, uh, thank goodness, all of our shows are back, right? So this fall, I'm going to be at several events. I will be in Indianapolis for the Benchmarking and Best Practices Conference. I will be in Chicago for Label Expo, and then back in Chicago for Pack Expo International. So I'd love to see people at those events too. Here come all of the press releases flowing in the email. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it just makes my day more interesting, right? <laughs> well, thank you to everyone tuning in today and for Diana for joining us. Until next time on Revive, the marketing podcast for manufacturers.